0: Welcome to the Archery Geek Outdoors podcast Good morning, good morning and welcome to episode 55 of the Archery Geek Outdoors podcast New intro music there this time Uh, I decided that... After we'd been told we'd got record-breaking June temperatures, the hottest June on history, and we were on track for the hottest July on history, July has been a freezing cold, very soggy washout, as I couldn't find any music called Cold Wet July. And considering they told us we would had the hottest June on record, uh, I decided that I would... Go with a "Flaming June" by BT for the intro music. That was actually the Facade 2012 bootleg of it. I've got to say a massive thanks to Adam Thomas, whose musical nom de plume is Facade, who's allowed me to use half my intro. So, Adam, thank you so much. I'm deeply appreciative of it. Right now, then, what am I doing? It's been a, since the last podcast, it's been a really good, relaxing, fun time. Apart from me breaking something again, and you know how I love to break shit, don't you? Uh, archery-wise, it's been a fantastic, relaxing, fun time. Now, this is a bit weird, because I need to come into settings on the Roadcaster Pro, and I haven't got the fucking foggiest how I'm going to do this while I'm recording. I can't see how to get on my fucking home screen, I need to change the screen, I need to change the sound pads, purely because, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on, no, I can't, I need to get into the home, I've got all these lovely sound pads on the roadcaster that trigger all these different sounds, normally I never use it for triggering the intro and outro, you've got eight, eight sounds, three banks of eight, and I've had to go on to bank two, for loading that intro, so I can see how I do it on my bloody computer. But I don't have to do it on the Roadcaster itself while I'm actually freaking recording. I need to get into bank one if I want to play with the others. Ah, somebody help, please. Oh, this could get really nauseous and really messy as I'm going along, but there's nothing new there. Right, I've got so much spinning round in my head that I want to talk about people. I want to thank things that have happened, people that have helped. That, oh God, this this could go absolutely anywhere. I'll probably end up talking about stuff I wasn't planning on talking about. I'm going to forget things I did want to say. If I wanted to thank you and I forget or I wanted to mention you, I forget. I do apologise. Oh my, God, hang on. I'm gonna start messing bu- messing with buttons while I'm recording. This could get really, really awkward. No, I can figure out how to go on to home there. What happens if I do this? Nope, I can't see anything. What can happen? Oh no, that's that's just bloody hell. That was just soloing. I I'm gonna press this button and see if things cut out. Has everything? Shit, yeah, I lost shit there i press the, I press the solo button on the sounds pad. Oh, God, that's a fucking disaster. I know, when I pressed it first time, I only lost all the audio, and folks going to be like, what the fuck happened there? Oh, God. I think I might have to do without fucking around with these sound pads on this one, because I used that second one. So I can access them on the computer. Hang on a minute. I want to see, if I press this one, is it going to do anything? Nope, so I can't activate it on the can I activate it on the computer? Hang on. Here we go. Let let let's let's try something. Let's try some see what happens. Nope. Absolutely bugger all happened. So there was me wanting to have a play around with these fucking sound pads and uh, sod all gonna happen. my I might have to actually read an instruction booklet to see if when you're recording how you change the sound pad? because I can't get onto settings. I hang on, what's this one? I'm gonna start pressing stuff again, folks. If I lose you, I'll be back in a sec. Oh, yes, hang on, hang on. Um, right, I'm back onto sound pad one, onto bank one, but because. I couldn't see the recording screen. I don't know if I dropped the audio again. Oh, this could be disastrous. Oh well. Anyway, what's been happening? Uh that lovely new bowfinger scope I bought. Absolutely loving shooting it. I had made a mistake in that I hadn't put the tube on to run the fibre through. I'd just got the fibre Wrapped round the scope and he kept unwrapping and dropping down. And on the week before Liberty, I was shooting around on the Wednesday night, gets to the second from last target, draws up and thinks, why can I only see a black pin? Why is my fibre not glowing? And ain't that fucking dark? Let's down looks, and it had obviously unwrapped itself from around the scope on the previous shot, was hanging down, and I shoot those lovely bony necks 3 veins, don't I? They're stiff. They're they're stiff. They're like a bit like, you know, almost like a fucking knife blade, and it appears that to fibre optic they are a knife blade. Uh, Looks as though where the fibre was hanging down. The arrow had gone past, cut the fibre and ripped all but a tiny bit out. There was just a little bit sat through the the pin on the scope where I'd melted it to hold tight in the pin. And of course, if you, if you remember rightly, if I remember rightly, when I bought this scope, I didn't want a 19th out because I found on some of the longer targets a 19th out fibre. He's a little bit big. Block, he block. it can block a fair bit of the target, especially on if it's a smaller target out at longer ranges. Didn't want to run with a tenth thou. So bowfinger offer a fifteenth thou. I heard a few people say you need you need a light on your sight when you're shooting tenth thou fibers because that you know, it, it's almost half the width of a nineteenth thou fiber. And they're not the greatest at gathering light in low light conditions. So I thought, right, I'm going with, I'll come settle in the middle and go with this 15th hour fibre. And it was fantastic, really like the 15th hour fibre. But when I cut this one, uh, there was a blue fibre included with the scope, but I hadn't got a light. And have you seen the price of fucking sight lights now? In two hundred quid a pop. I can't justify and can't afford two hundred quid for a sight light. So I have a quick look on YouTube at sight lights and Google it. And as this Aussie guy comes up, the ultimate Aussie redneck, a two dollar sight light he'd made. I like you can get lots of the screwing ones that fit like the true glows and the trophy ridges. And I've got one of those on my Trophy Ridge React. You know, you can pick those up for three, four quid off eBay and Amazon. But they don't fit. They're a standard, is it? Was it a 30 second, 10 30 second thread on them for the sights? And things like the AV41, the Bowfinger, I presume the Shrewd is similar. Ultraview won't because they come with their own funky little light. But 370 quid for a scope from Ultraview. I know they're good, but fuck me, they ain't that good. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. This, this Aussie guy discovered. If you buy those, he'd bought some of those Christmas lights, battery-powered Christmas lights from the dollar store and figured out that if you just... Because they're wired in parallel, you can cut all by the first light off. And that first light still works. And the the LED was small enough to sit in his sight and light up his pin. And, of course, a couple of A batteries... On a single small LED bulb Only when you shoot You can flick it Switch it on Switch it off The batteries were lasting him Like 18 months And you know you can, you can pick up A big pack of cheap batteries For a couple of quid Out of somewhere Like Poundland So I think I'll have a go At making one of these At some point Unfortunately <laughs> the time of year Cold wet July uh, they, Poundland haven't got Any of these Christmas lights In when they do have some I shall get some. But back to the back to the story in hand. See, I'm digressing again here. It's just as I like to do, isn't it? Anyway, this, this guy uh, No, I'm coming back off that guy. Fucking hell. This is gonna be messy, this is. Uh messaged Anthony from the off centre archers saying, I've done this, I can't can't find any in this country. I found all the archery shops in this country. Uh, they all said, well, if you want that, we don't keep it in stock, we'll have to order it from direct from Bowfinger. And I said to them, well, in all honesty then, I may as well order it from Bowfinger myself, because you're going to have to put your cut on it, it's going to be cheaper for me to order it direct. Anyway, mentioned this to Anthony from the Off Centre Arches, and within 30 seconds, it pinged me back, back a link to a firm called Nano Optics in the States that do all the fibres, even The link he'd sent me was for the 15th hour, so I didn't even have to scroll through. Anthony is an absolute fucking legend. Uh, Ordered it, and I've got five one-foot lengths of 15th hour fibre. Cost me £18 and a penny, including shipping from the States. I cannot moan at that, so nano-optics, thank you very much. Uh, I think there's going to be a shitload of links in the show notes for this because I've put a link to Nano Optics page and to other people I want to witter on about in my own inimitable style. Anyway, that's so. The fibres actually turned up yesterday, so I shall put a new one in the bowfinger. I don't know if I'm, I really like the bowfinger scope. But I've made a massive amendment to the AV41 scope now, thanks to Mark at Paget. Mark loves 3D printing. And the reason I went for the Bowfinger is the sunshades for the AV41 scope are so freaking expensive and still hard to get hold of in this country. I I think it's about 40 quid for the rear sunshade, 40 quid for the front sunshade. And these aren't complicated pieces of kit. You know, I I understand tooling cost and they need to make a profit, but fuck me! At least buy me, take me out for dinner before you fuck me on price, will you? So, I was talking to Mark at Paget, and I'd seen on Google, I think it was actually on the Art, might have been on Archery Talk or one of the other forums or Rockslide, something like that. Somebody had three D printed sunshades, and I was talking to Mark about them. like I say, I get a lot of light flare on the yellow lens. Uh, I think I'm actually, I've made a decision, I'm going to order a clear lens from Downrange Optics. What was it? I paid something like 37 or 42 quid, including shipping from the States for the yellow lens. I'm going to order a clear lens because the yellow lens seems to suffer with sun flare. Anyway, back to where I was. See, I'm bouncing all over the place here, aren't I? Bear with me, folks. I've got to take a sip of coffee. Kept my mouth away from the mic there, so hopefully you didn't get my noisy drinking. Oh, bear with me a second, folks. Just got a quick cough. And I'm back again. Uh, Yeah, talking to Mark about this. And then I got a message in the week saying, "What what do you think of this? He'd managed to find the plans for these on Thingiverse, upscaled it to fit his true glow look, look really good he said i'll use the original plant and try you a front sunshade for your av41 so got to the club i can't remember if it was a wednesday or the saturday he brought it he brought it down i hadn't got the av41 with me that was a time i was, had i yes i had i had fuck me i can't remember what's going on here uh anyway Tried it and it was really tight to get onto the AV-41. And Mark said, try putting it on as though you're unscrewing it because you're 3D printing a thread. We did that and suddenly we felt a click. He said, right now, screw it on. It went on beautifully. He said, right, I'll try you the... I'll do you a rear one. Now, because the front and rear are the same diameter, I'd got the sunshade... Sorry, the, the ring, the snap-on ring from the bow scope. But right we'll we'll try this popped it in it was a little too loose so Mark said I'll tell you what I can do He said I can start the print of the rear sunshade in a different color. He said do you want white do you want flow yellow flow green I thought I'll try flow yellow because it's a flow yellow snapping ring on the bowfinger scope so he printed this off the first two or three mil, are in fluorescent yellow then it goes back into black it's a world difference if at the right angle i'm still getting a little bit of sun flare so like i say i'm gonna order a clear lens from downrange optics but if you want to know what these look like jump on either i can't remember i think i've put it on the youtube channel have a look on the Archery Geek Outdoors YouTube channel, Archery Geek Outdoors Instagram page, Archery Geek Outdoors TikTok, uh, Archery Geek Outdoors Facebook page. See I'm getting everywhere on the fucking socials now. You know what, you gotta you know what? Click like, click follow. Click click like or follow folks on all of them. Come on, I wanna grow this a bit. So I'm asking you for something now, just to click a like or a follow on the socials. Uh, have a look on any of those and you'll see these 3D printed lens covers what I really like is because they're a little coarse on the inside was it the Hamsky Raptor peep they said they would got these baffles to stop as much light bouncing around well you get a similar effect on the inside of these 3D printed sunshades but folks, they are amazing I've got to say an absolutely huge massive thank you to Mark for, for printing these for me, and they do make a big difference, they make a big difference, I've got, I say if the sun's at the right angle, I do still get just a little bit of sun flare, but I think that's of course I'm on a yellow lens, Even, I'll, I'll find out when I order the clear lens, but I I may be totally wrong of course, if, if you think I'm wrong, you know what to do, email me archerygeekoutdoors at gmail.com, say Rich you're talking absolute bollocks it's not going to make a difference in the colour of lens but i want to try a clear lens from downrange optics like i say for the fibers i'll put nano optics the uh, the link their link to their site in the show notes if you need any new fibers like i say i live in the uk they're in the states 18 quid including shipping cannot moan at that it's an absolute fucking bargain it's one of those rare things in the archery world where You seem to get really good value for money. But that's a totally different podcast, that is, isn't it? Anyway, back to what's been going on shooting-wise. I'm going to steer away from the health and fitness. A bit of a rough couple of weeks there. Time to get back on it again. It's just consistency, isn't it? But we had the club champs at Padgett. It was a really, really enjoyable afternoon shooting. I've got to say... A huge thank you to Joe, Pete and John. Joe laid out, the, Joe planned the course and Pete and John helped him get it all set out. We have a two and a quarter acre wood of Padgett. You can squeeze 18, possibly 20 targets in a, a real push but you'd, you might be looking at problems with overshoots there. But in this little two and a quarter acre wood he did an amazing job. He got some really challenging shots, and the one, there's a a ditch that marks our boundary with a bank on it, it's only like a two and a half foot tall bank, but he put a peg right on the front of this bank, so your back foot is eight or nine inches higher than your front foot, you pitched forward anyway, shooting a downhill shot, Joe. It was a ama- it, it was an amazing course. Like I say, when you're in a flat wood, you've got very little to work with. He really put on a challenging course. And it was such a good, really, really enjoyable day shooting. I mean, I was shooting with Mark and Sharon. We had a proper laugh. Uh, I put in, I went, what we normally do is it'll be first round 18 3Ds, second round. 18 paper faces. Of course, all the 3Ds are bossed behind them, but this time we just decided to go for two, uh, eight, two by 18 of the 3Ds. I only got one, a predator prey shot, and it was really di- It was quite difficult to judge the distance between the predator and the prey. You couldn't use the ground for judging the the prey because there was vegetation of varying heights between it you got a clear view to the kill shot and to the left of this was vegetation as well so it made it harder to judge between the, the predator and the prey and that caught a fair few people out hey, Martin said he went straight over the top of it with his first one because he couldn't get a bead on the distance on the difference between the two and Martin's a decent shooter and I was so glad that a fortnight before I'd decided to work on my really short shots. And I was amazed working on short shots—the difference. I knew on the Epics that at sixty yard, at three yards, I needed to use my sixty pin, but I hadn't done it with the Prime and the Accutouch. So, a couple of Wednesdays before, I put a target out on the practice field. Came three yards back. I thought right. I'll try it about 50. See what happens. And I was low. So I discovered that for three yards. I have to shoot it for 55. I stepped one yard back. To four yards. I had to bring my sight up to 40 yards. So that's a one yard difference. 15 yards difference on the sight tape. Step back to five yards. And I have to shoot it for 30. So, that, you know, my difference between three yards and five yards is 25 yards on the side tape. That's incredible. Anyway, Joe had put a couple of wasp pegs out. What these were for were for sighted archers. Adult in end fast shoot, red, white and blue. At a Paget and shoot before, we'd used wasp pegs. They were... Anyone could shoot off them. They were a risk and reward peg. They're a more difficult shot than the red peg. But if you decided to shoot the wasp peg, you had one arrow only. If you missed with your first arrow, you didn't get your second and thirds. There's the risk. The reward was you got double points. So if you hit, you were guaranteed a minimum of 32 points. If you 24 it, you got 48 points. I really like that risk and reward idea. If you're not confident in the shot, you can take, you can go from the red peg and get ordinary points. A lot of places seem they're becoming more and more popular. Some places use them like that. Some places use them for sighted archers only. Uh, but with the the club champs, Joe decided. All sighted archers, that's crossbow, anybody shooting recurve freestyle, anybody with a sight on, shot from the wasp peg. He'd got a little 3D, God, what was it? Was it a crow? It was one of the little 3Ds where the 24's about the size of a 10 pence piece. Non-sighted archers, 10 yards. Nice little, I say nice little gimme shot. They're the shots you tend to fuck up on. I certainly I, I do. And Carl said to me, "The shots you look, at, I think, pa, that's easy. You just come up, love an arrow, and because you're not working hard, and because you think it's a gimme shot, it's easy to miss. And then that gets in your head, and you start doubting yourself. And when you're doubting yourself, you can miss your second arrow. And if you miss with your second arrow, that really plays in your head." I saw it happen to one at Paget open shoots. Uh, Roger, who was shooting Compound Unlimited at the time. Roger's an awesome archer, and he was one of my... When I first started doing open shoots, I always thought if I'd got within 100 points of Roger, I was doing really well. Him and Fletch shooting together with demons. Anyway, at this open shoot, we got the Stout... That JVD Stoat. I don't know if you see it in the States or in much of mainland Europe. But anybody who shoots MFAS in the UK, you will be familiar with this Stoat. And what an absolute shit of a target it is. The whole target where the kill is is probably two and a half inches deep. You've got effectively zero, zero margin for error on your yardage judging See, I'd rather shoot a, a thin vertical target where I've got room for yardage errors but I know my line's good than I would a skinny little target like that and a lot of people hate that freaking target. And when Roger shot it at the open shoot, he, his first arrow hit low. I mean, this stoke target, with one arrow, you can be missing it, hitting a wound, hitting a kill and hitting an inner kill. ...on the same target... ...that's how fucking skinny this thing is... ...how shallow this thing is... ...anyway... ...move forward... ...reset his sight... ...and he said... ...when he'd drawn up... ...he thought... ...well how did I miss... ...maybe I've misjudged my yardage... ...held a fraction low... ...put his second arrow... ...right next to his first one... ...it was in his head... ...wasn't it... ...comes up... ...for his third shot... ...does exactly the same... ...and I said... ...mate... ...how'd you manage to blank that... ...you're such a good shot... He said, I started doubting myself after I missed with the first arrow. So anyway, asides apart, he'd set this little 3D at two and a half yards. I'm thinking, fucking hell. a full draw, my long rod's almost touching it. And I thought, well, it's less than three yards, so I'll give it a couple of extra yards on it. I thought, I'll try 57. If I miss the 24, at least I'll hit the twenty. And I fucking pinwheeled it right in the middle of the 24. And it amazed me because I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. From three yards to four yards, it's a 15-yard difference. I didn't want to risk going over the top so I just gave it an extra couple of yards. So that half yard closer only added two yards onto my side tape. Can't wrap my head around that. Anyway, I came in. I put in the highest raw score of the day. Won the sighted class, or as John calls it, non-guessing for sighted and guessing for non-sighted. But to give everyone a fair cracker winning the club champs, John runs a handicap system. You put in two scorecards throughout the year and he works out everybody's handicap. And it's a really nice system, of course, it gives everybody a chance to win the overall club champs, which is really, really nice. And Andy Hazeldean came in and won the overall club champs on handicap scores. I think I dropped into second, but massive congratulations to you, Andy. Thanks again to everybody who helped in planning and laying the course. It was a really good, really, really good afternoon. Anyway, next shoot I did was Lawton Field Bowman. As a lot of you will know, I'm not mega competitive. If I start getting competitive, my shooting goes to absolute shit. It really does. And Joy had been on about Lawton. She shot it several times before. A lot of the other folks at Paget have shot it. Lawton and her independent club, Lawton Field Bowman, they're not NFASA af- affiliated. And if you're a member of... If you signed off a safe by any of the... UK governing bodies whether that, whether that be the English Longbow Association Archery GB NFAS, EFA anything like that you can go and shoot their shoot which is a really really nice idea because you get to meet people that shoot different associations that you wouldn't necessarily meet anyway Joey said Rich you've got to shoot Lawton it's a really relaxed really chilled out fun day And I, you know that's what I like she said, yeah, they score, but it's it's not one of those super competitive anything to win shoots you know you just turn up have a, it's such a chilled atmosphere and Lord, nah, behind Trenton Gardens the uh, up towards Stoke traveled upon the Sunday and what a gorgeous shoot ground they've got. It really is stunning. Walked into their clubhouse and it reminded me of a boathouse. I don't know what it is about it. It just reminds me of walking into a wooden boathouse and it's beautiful. So I started the day with the obligatory bacon baps. I had to have two because I was so fucking tasty. Really, really nice baps. And their shoot ground, they've got a lot of ups and downs. They've got the facility to shoot over water, which that really messed with my head. I underjudged that one, and I was really worried about my distance judging because I don't do a lot. I shoot pageant every week, you know. So, my distance judging I, I really needed some work on. So, I'd, I'd got my, my head on. Don't worry about scores, just practice your distance judging, ready for liberty, get practicing. And you know what, apart from the shot over water, where I'd second-guess myself, I picked a distance. Then, just before I shot, I'm thinking, no, nah, that's not right. Took some off. Thought, right, let's have a look where the kill is. pine did up, picked the kill, put my pen in it, let the shot go. It was a decent shot as well, which surprised me, an open shoot. Normally when I get to an open shoot, the pressure comes on and I go back to bitch slapping the trigger. Worked on making a really nice shot. Line was perfect. It dropped low. If I hadn't made that cut, I mean, I, I, the kill was above the leg line so I dropped into the leg. I, I scored. Yay, happy me, I scored. Uh, if I hadn't a second guessed myself, I'd have been where I needed to be. So that, again, stop second-guessing myself. And it's been said to me several times, look, just enjoy, worry about having fun, enjoy yourself. If you want to get better at your distance judging, pick a distance, shoot it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. You know what to do for your next arrow. Stop worrying about scores. Stop worrying about shit like that. Just go out to have fun. And this is how you'll learn your distance judging. Pick a distance and stick to it. When you start second guessing yourself, sh- mistakes happen. I there were two I was really, really, really pleased with. Uh, they'd got the skinny sitting cheetah. If you, I think it's a Reinhardt target. I've seen, I've seen it at Liberty before. I think they had it at Forest of Arden. Can't remember if I've seen it at Seven Valley. But there's very little room for side to side error on this thing, and you're on top of a steep bank down and flattens out. And I figured out where my twenty was. So I was being told, don't look at the the, the floor distance when you're shooting uphill and downhill. Look at the horizontal distance. So it's a case of project that cheetah sitting at eye line to me. Figured out where my twenty was. Thought right. That would be where my 20 mark is. Add half of that on, that would be 30. It's a little bit farther than that. How far? I'm thinking 33. So, set to my sight. glasses, it looks where the kill is. Nailed the 20 on it. I was just a fraction right of the 24, but I was so pleased in that distance judging. It was like, yes, yes, yes came round to its second time round, and had a bit of a wobble as I released, and went about two inches to the right of it, so had to take a second arrow, but I now it on the second arrow, and the other one they got again, shooting downhill on top of another bank, long slope downhill, uh, flat valley bottom, slightly up the other side, they would got the tiger, Judged it at 55 yards. Yeah, 55 yards. I judged it at drop, stuck my pin on it again. I'm holding, just squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Got a really nice shot. And as it broke, I could, as the shot broke, I could see the arrow heading left through my scope. And I'm like, what the? And never heard it hit anything and I'm thinking what the fuck's going on here And those watching said Rich, dunno what happened You've missed I said How far have I missed by that you know this you know this life size Reinhard three D Tiger it's a big old target. I was holding On the 24. And it must have gone. Oh, God. It must have landed a good eight feet left of the tail. I was like. See, I got to play with my pads. I couldn't think none of us could figure what the fuck had gone on. And I mean, I'm thinking, shit, that's an arrow bust. Fortunately, their shoot ground's quite soft and we found the arrow in the grass. Second shot, I'm shooting those 2364s on Ireland. There was a, Came for the second shot and there's a good old good. There's some good wind blowing. It's got to be, what? 10, 15 mile an hour wind. And I'm thinking, right, everybody said to these catch the wind really, really badly. I mean, I'm only running 110 grain up front on him, so there's not a high FOC to keep him tracking straight. So I think, right, I'll put my pin on the front of his chest and the wind's going to drift me into where I need to be. I'm thinking, that's what I'll do. I'll do that. Comes up, lets off. I'd, I'd had to blank that first shot out of my head and just said to folks, please watch my arrow. I mean, after the first one, I'd had a quick look at the boat. Couldn't see anything, obviously, out of alignment. Nothing was loose. I haven't got the foggies. What's going on? So, put my pin on the front of his chest. Let's go. A really, really nice shot. I was so pleased with the shot broke. And the goddamn thing hit behind the freaking pin, right where I was fucking aiming. I'm thinking, how the fuck did that happen? I've got a 10, 15-mile-an-hour wind shooting fat freaking shafts. And this thing lands right behind the goddamn pin. Oh, so frustrating. And the other target they've got that it, it did, it beat me hands down. It whooped me like a little bitch. I mean, if they'd got a moving target. Now, I like moving targets, but I'd never shot one with a lens before. And they'd got the 3D flying goose on a zip wire sliding. And this thing was sliding like. Fuck, mate, it was going like shit off a shiny shovel. We got there, and we were shooting in groups of six that day. I think we were the fourth group in. And... Out of all four groups, that's 24 archers, and they said, you have to take two arrows at this target. Two arrows at this target. If you hit with your first, you still have to shoot it a second time. Out of all four groups, one arrow hit that goose... So that's 24 archers, 48 arrows, one arrow hit it. It wasn't mine. It, it wasn't mine. Uh, first first time it comes down, they, give, they drop it first for you to track it. So first time I think, I'll draw up, see where it's going to be, and as it comes into my scope, I'll let the arrow fly. Do you think I could... It worked... Fuck knows where it went. I never saw it in my scope. I could see it in my peripheral let the arrow fly straight over the top of it, straight into the bank. Second arrow, I thought, right, I'm going to try something different. Now, where they were releasing it from, there's a big holly bush. So you wanted to be clear of the holly bush, because if you miss, you don't want to be clambering into a holly bush to get your arrows out. So I thought, before they release it, I'll come to full draw, put my scope on the goose, then move it forward so the goose is on the very right-hand edge of my scope. Then just track the goose and let it fly. So, comes to full draw, scope on, scope up, so that the goose is just touching the very right-hand edge of my target. I mean, it's only a 20-yard shot. Tells them to let it go. Within the first half a second, it out my scope. You think, oh, I can't see it, so Swings my bow, clopped it in my per, per, peripheral, thinking shoot instinctive, let the arrow go and just in front of his chest. I'm thinking, fuck me, because I was low on arrows that day. I managed to rip a couple of veins off and I think I was down to what? Four shootable arrows. So that's two of them in the deck. I'm thinking, fuck me, that's going to... F- I've got broken arrows here. I'm going to be in trouble course they got the big shot target again they said you shoot one from the red one from the white, one from the blue, you must shoot three arrows at this target I think I'm not going to have enough for Bigfoot, but both arrows survived soft ground and fat shafts, that extra surface area of the shaft seems to provide a bit more friction if I'd been shooting the Kuma and the five mils out of the Kuma, the Instec these Skylon instecks I'd have never seen them again, but I mean that—that's shooting, you know. That's seventy-four pound with a skinny arrow. I got all my arrows back, and Bigfoot—they made Bigfoot. That they made Bigfoot there, I think, from what I was told. They'd got him seated. It's fuck, me. I—I I've, I've, hope I've got a photo of this. i won't have to get it. Did I take photos of Bigfoot? If I did, I'll put them on Instagram and Facebook and the usual places. You know where to see him. Sat down, he'd got to have been 15 to 18 foot tall. Stood up, this thing's got to be 30 odd feet tall. They normally put him out uh, at 100 yards plus. This was one of the reasons I went to do it. I thought, I'll get to shoot 100 yards. As it was, they'd got him at 45 and in. But the 24 was a little 3 inch square of tape stuck to a massive 20. 24 this little 3 inch tape, square of tape. Uh, managed to 24 and 20 and 220s on both occasions, but it was a really, really good day shoot. What really surprised me, I was the only compound archer there. I get there realise I'm the only compound archer, and I'm standing out like a fucking dog's lipstick here. But uh, shot with, like I I the shot with Joy. Fuck me, I can't remember the names of the guys I shot with. I think it was two guys from Leifer and I don't know where the father and son were from, but we had such a really good day, so relaxed, so many laughs. Uh, obviously, being the only compound, I won the unlimited class, and to be honest, I didn't like that feeling. I mean, Sharon at Padgett had said to me when she'd gone to open shooting, and she was the only lady shooting unlimited compound, compound unlimited. It's not a nice feeling going up to get a medal when you're the only one in the class. And I also why? Sharon, I know now, yeah. It, it it doesn't feel like you've achieved anything. And I didn't shoot. I didn't felt I'd shot particularly well. The ones I was worried about the distance judging on, I'd him. I'd, you know, I got my distance judging right. And that boosted my confidence. And that, that was one of the reasons I'd gone there, to learn distance judging and like I say, I wasn't worried about scores. It 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 did get into my head a little bit, but not as much as it normally does. And I was really pleased that the the two difficult ones, really difficult ones to me, the two that were the most difficult, were the downhill cheetah and the down and the downhill tiger. I got the distances bob on. Whether it was more by luck than judgment, I don't know. But I say, so I've got to say massive thanks to. All the members at Lawton that put on an amazing shoot and everybody that shot there and made it such a really enjoyable day. I will be going back to Lawton. I mean, I was talking to folks after, talking to Paul Thomas, Sy's brother, and Joy, and they both said it was a difficult course. I said, well, I've got very little to gauge the difficulty of a course, and Paul said, put it this way, he said he went and shot the NFAS big one. He said on a difficulty scale, he rated the NFAS big one courses as a 6 out of 10. He said this one is an 8 out of 10 easily on the difficulty scale. It's not an easy course. So that made me feel a bit better. Anyway, that that was my warm-up shoot for Liberty. Uh, oh, Liberty, what a weekend. It started as usual on the Thursday morning. Ollie was travelling down with me in my funky little roller skate. Picked him up at 6 o'clock on the Thursday morning and again I'd got the back seats dropped down in the roller skate and with both of our stuff to cover us from the Thursday to the Monday it was floor to ceiling, back of the front seats, right to the tailgate. Everything crammed in like sardines. I had a really really good journey down there. Did the the usual stop off at Mackey's for breakfast at Mildenhall, and I made sure I kept my receipt. I must. They did, on on the Mackey's receipts, you get the the code that you can put in to say how your visit was, and every time I've been to that McDonald's at Mildenhall, no matter how busy or quiet it is. Your food is always there in two, three minutes, if that. It's always piping hot and the old order's always spot on. As I've said before, if I get shit customer service, I'll I'll shout it from the rooftops. But if I get really good customer service, I will also shout that from the rooftops. And the staff at McDonald's in Mildon Hall are always absolutely bang on They're professional, the food's out in double quick time, your order's spot on, and it's always piping hot. And I'm not a regular user of Mackies anymore since I've been since I've started cleaning up my eating. But a lot of folks will tell you it's nothing uncommon. Long waits, cold food, wrong orders. I've used Mildenall, always stop at Mildenall on the way down for breakfast, on the way to Liberty, always on the way back, stop for breakfast always absolutely bob on never ever had a problem from mac is in mildenall so big thank you to the folks at mac is in mildenall if anybody listening to this knows anybody there pass on my thanks please and i will get round to filling in the survey and saying how good they are let their let their head office know that they're, they're bob on anyway Back to a cold, wet July. Uh, Thursday was a decent, half-decent day, bits of rain. Friday, fucking hell. It lashed down and blew a cold wind all day long. The plus side, Thursday and Friday, there were so many F-15s and F-35s in and out of there. We didn't get to see them... The, the, the point to take off. Of course, I were taking off away from the end week camp, but we got to see them all landing. I I must have 100 videos on my phone of them coming into land. I kept taking more and more because I thought, I'm waiting for one of them to do something special. <laughs> you know, just give a wing waggle or something like that. So I've got to go through, and I will be dropping TikToks and Instagram reels up. I'll drop a couple on YouTube and on the Facebook page, uh, the 15s and the 35s coming in. On the Friday, we actually get to got to see an osprey. I presume it was going either got must have been on approach to Mildenhall because it was well away from us, the far side of the trees. I've uh, on, on a descent, but like I say, I think it's got to, got to be part of what the 722nd Air Mobility Squadron out of Mildenhall. I'm presuming it wasn't close enough to get photos or videos of, which I was that disappointed, but I got so many really good videos of the Jets at Mildenhall. Hall. Sorry, at, at Lake and Heath. It was amazing. I mean, on the Friday, we'd always traditionally gone to the pub, gone to the Half Moon at Milden Hall on a Friday night for food. Last year we went on the Sunday, Dan had looked at going on the Sunday this year, but they'd got a big biker event on with 300 expected, so they weren't taking bookings. The Thursday night we did the usual of fish and chips, and again, the chippy, We, we it's run by, I think it's an old Italian chap, the one we use in Brandon just down the road from the shoot ground. Awesome, awesome fish and chips, really, really good. Friday, we were all that pissed off with the weather and he he'd had to ground people down i mean john found the answer to getting over the weather was just get drunk he was happy as larry if you check out the tiktok and instagram you'll see a video of him dancing while drunk <laughs> it was really, really really funny but we ended up in the half moon at all on the friday night and again nice time Really, really nice food. Most enjoyable. Uh While we were down there, now, from episode... Was it episode 53? The Saturday special, Raw and Uncut. We'd been talking about Fox Hay Cider. Uh, one of my friends from down that way, Jake, him and his father-in-law, have started producing this cider. And I'd said on there, I was going to have some at Liberty, so... I'd ordered eight bottles and one of the other folks from... Oh, my God, I don't know if you've just picked that up. The dogs are outside and Dottie is running her mouth as usual. Yampy little bugger. Uh, One of Alex's other clients at Hybrid, Kaz Axley, runs a bakery called Benny's Bakes. Alex had raved about Kaz's cheesecakes and... I'd said to Kaz, when I was down at Liberty, I'd tried one of her, I'd try one of her cheesecakes. So I thought, right, while I'm down there, I'm ordering a cheesecake and I'm ordering some cider from Jake. And folks from Padgett are like, how are you getting cider and cheesecake? I said, well, they're both local. I know Kaz has got Benny's Bakes, Jake has got Fox Hay Cider. And Jake had said he'd bring some down to Liberty for me. So I'd message Cass, right, I want one of these cheesecakes you make, Cass. She said, hey, do you want to get it? I told her where I was. She said, well, that's a bit, little bit far for me to deliver. She said, tell you what, Feltwell's only six miles from you. Meet you in Feltwell, pick it up. So I had that on the Saturday night. Fuck me, this cheesecake was incredible. Now, Joy at Padgett is a very good, very experienced baker. And even she said how good the cheesecake was. So, picked up the cheesecake. I'd asked Jake. Jake said he'd drop the cider off to me. So he'd arranged a time. I was just on my way back from Feltwell when Jake phoned, said, "Right, I'm at Padgett. Where are you?" In fact, his actual his actual phone call was, "Where are you, fat cunt? I'm stood outside your tent." <laughs> I do love Jake. Uh, I said there in 10 minutes He said right we'll hang on for you So he dropped the cider off And John tried some Really liked it And Jake said well look 20 quid 8 bottles Which that's It's only comparable with your likes of your Copperbergs, your Recorderlings You know any, any of your nicer Ciders, that's only comparable with them So really good value again And Jake said well if you want some I'll go back to the, the cider shed, pick you some up and drop it off. And John said, but that's, going, that's half an hour there, half an hour back. That's an awful lot of trouble to go to. Jake said, no, no, it's no trouble at all. So John had eight bottles off him. And actually, I'm going to pull this message up because it's a big endorsement for Jake at... Hang on, I've got to, t- I'm just opening up. Where are we? Ah, here we go. Uh, when was it John tried it? Friday night, John crack opened one. Of course, I think he had two of the, two of last, the 20, was it the 2021 vintage, which was 6.7. So four of those and four of was it last year's or this year's vintage, which is 5.5, and he's just said, and he said to me, working my way through this, it's a slightly weaker one, it's Boston, really dry, just how I like a rustic cider. So, Jake, if you're listening to this, John really likes your cider, mate. And it is, it's beautiful, beautiful. I, I prefer a medium to sweet. I had the... The slightly stronger one, the, the previous vintage and that that um that stuff goes down an absolute treat. It really is gorgeous. Uh I don't think Jake has got any social media. I don't think they've got any social media pages going for Fox A. Eh? They've got the website going. I'll drop the link for it again anyway. Kaz has got Benny's Bakes on Facebook. I'll drop a link for that. I'll tell you what, folks. I know it's been cheeky asking you to give likes and follows to folks, but these are new businesses. I always believe they're friends' businesses. I've supported them, spending money with them. To support them, you don't have to spend money with them, especially on socials. I mean, obviously, Kaz, they're very local businesses. You know, not local to me, they're local to the Cambridge and Norfolk neck of the woods. But I'm going to put the Benny's Bakes Facebook page link in the in the show notes. Do me a favour, just click on it and give Kaz a like, will you? Give, give her a like. To support people's businesses, yes, you support them more if you... It's a different way of supporting if you spend money with them. But if they've got... Social media pages, if you give the page a like or a follow or click like on the occasional post, it costs you, what, a second, a second and a half of your time. It doesn't cost you a penny, but every like and follow they get raises their profile, it puts. It's has suggested posts on suggested follows on more people's feeds and if somebody sees them thinks oh i like the look of the cakes it's local to them and i'll try them that's helped that business and it it doesn't cost you a penny to click like to click share to click follow and i'm going to put the I never actually got a photo of my cheesecake because I was down at the the party when I got back. Johnny Bucket had decided it looked nice and took a slice out of it. So I took a fo- I've got a photo on my phone of the one that Kaz the photos Kaz took. And it was as deep as a pie dish and then that deep again. And it was fucking gorgeous. With lots of fresh fruit on the top. There'd been fresh fruit blended into the cheesy part of the cheesecake and then lots of fresh fruit on top. It was incredible. And like I say, just give, do what you can to support new independent businesses and there's so much you can do that's free. I mean, a lot of people, they'll get friends start businesses and, oh, can you do me mate trades? I've never asked for that before. The best thing you can do to your friends, friends' businesses is buy... Buy from them. Use them. Use the services. Don't ask for mates rates. Use them and recommend them. Do that. And recommendations cost nothing. I think I've put a glowing recommendation up on the Benny's Bakes Facebook page. And next time I'm down there, I'll be buying more cakes. Because they're looking gorgeous. And Field Archers, two things you have to eat as a Field Archer, bacon and cake. Anyway... Back, oh so distracted again Bloody hellfire! fire Right uh, Back onto the Liberty shoot. Really Really enjoyed shooting it uh, They were They did It was a 2x32 I never asked But the weather had been forecasters Grim for the weekend So we don't know if they'd put A slightly shorter course on Just so people could get shot and done And then see about getting dried off But Really nice course I really enjoyed it uh, I think The longest shot was out to about 60 on the bison Liberty have got an amazing selection of Reinhardt targets A really nice selection And one of the most difficult to judge Was a herd of elk Yes they had a herd of life size 3D Reinhardt 3D elk targets out uh, they the you had to shoot the bedded bull only the kill of the bedded bull was visible as you stood on I I have got video of this and I'll put it up on Instagram the only as you looked down it was a clear lane down to it excuse me I've got a cough <clears throat> it was a clear shooting lane down to it you had... A cow elk on the right. Farther away than that on the left was another cow elk standing. Behind that was the bedded bull. Like I say, you got the first cow elk on the right, second cow elk on the left, and they'd set them up. So the bedded bull, all you could see was the width of the kill zone and his antlers over his back. That's all you could see. And two more cow elk behind... If you hit one of the cow elk, it was zero points. The only score was on the bedded bull. It was an absolutely stunning shot. Because the grass was of varying lengths, it was really, really hard to judge your distance on. And I was so pleased when I 24'd it. Of course, I was doubting my distance judging and it was just Pick a distance. Stop worrying about fucking scores, you twat. Pick a distance. If you get the distance wrong, you got two more arrows, and both days are 24 four'd it. Second day, I might have been two yards. Day one, I hit the pro ring in there. Uh, those of you listening in the States, the IBO 11. Second day, I hit the bottom of the 24. In the States, ASA or IBO 10. I was just inside that so I would under by a couple of yards there but day one because they move the pegs and occasionally move the targets and Liberty they're buggers for not making big movements where it's obvious they're buggers for making two and three yard movements where it's not obvious you'll shoot it the same as you did the day before and you're not hitting the same place as you did the day before Excuse me a second again. I'm going a little dry. I need a sip of coffee. Sorry, I had a quick cough there next time for my coffee. I'm going to move my mouth away from the mic because the last thing you want is my noisy coffee drinking. And a quick puff on the vape. I'm coming up to five months, 27th of July. I am five months cigarette free. I can't say five months tobacco free because I had a couple of very nice cigars while I was at Liberty. Daz from Robin Hood, we were talking. He got a cigar and he got a few boxes with him because he loves his New World cigars. And I said, can I buy a couple off of you? He said, don't be daft. He said, I'll give you a couple. He said, I've got loads here. And he gave me one that was a similar size to the Romeo and Juliet had from the Cigar Lounge at Christmas. And he gave me another one. I think it was called an Olivar. I'd had rather a lot to drink on the Saturday night, so I can't remember. I think it was an Olivar. They're they his favourite, and God, was it nice. I'll get get—I'll get on to what happened with that cigar in a minute. I've lost where I was. Where? What was I talking about? What was it? I was on, was I on about the elk. Ooh, I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, yeah, liberty they're a bugger for just moving, you know, two to four yards. And that has caught so many people out on their shoots. And I had one bad misjudgment uh, on the Saturday. I only scored, I think it was 116. I'll have to have a look at my scorecard. That they'd got the Velociraptor out and I misjudged it by six or seven yards. I was in perfect line with the twenty-four, just hit above it in the sixteen. Couple 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 yards more misjudging, not have been over the top of the bugger and off into the distance. But really enjoyed the course. Uh, first shot was our opening shot was a 3D bore And judged it at 48 Shot it at 48, spot on Second one was a bedded elk Shooting downhill at it And I thought That's a yard farther Than that's a, No, guess to it I'm thinking that's about 4 yards farther Than that ball we've just shot I'm thinking that's 52, 53 yards sets me pin comes up to draw thinks they wouldn't have they wouldn't have put it they you know they they wouldn't have put it there thinks maybe they've put it a little bit a little bit closer maybe they've put it a little bit closer of course it did it didn't look farther than the other one Didn't look farther than the other one. I'm thinking, I got inside my own head, second-guessed in the end, dialled my sight down to 49, and it hit 10 mil below the 24, if I'd left that extra yardage. So I stopped second-guessing myself on judging then. Second day, that same elk, second-guessed myself again. It was the only target I second-guessed myself on. And I shot above the 24. 20 both days, but the only time I second guessed myself, and that's what happened. Sad day, really good day shooting. There's the odd, the odd shower, but by the time you put your waterproof on, the shower had stopped. And I came in with, what was it? 734, I think. My scorecard's downstairs, I should have brought it up. I think it was 734 I came in with. Reasonable, 116, and I think it was 21. Twenty-one spots out of thirty-two targets. So for me, I was really, really pleased with that. Saturday night they always put on a party, and the theme this year was glam rock. Now by the Saturday evening, it was a cold, cold wind blowing. I mean, I, I went down to the the party pad where the the section where they've got the stage, and. I got a T-shirt on, a technical fleece, a hoodie and a woolly hat. It was that fucking cold. Uh, I, had a, I had a few ciders up at the top. because When when Jake dropped the ciders off for, for me before he went to get John's, uh, they, they stayed a few minutes. We were all talking and Dan made me laugh. When they'd gone, he said, Rich, they really are your people. They are as fucking redneck as you. And Jake and Kirsty will openly admit to it. They are two amazing people. You know, again, I try, people I choose to have in my life are all really positive people that make life better. And Jake and Kirsty are two of those. And I've lost track of it. Anyway, I had this little Romeo and Juliet sized cigar while I was up at camp. Then we went down. The theme was glam rock. And Leah and Lindsay had gone full kiss makeup, big black you know, prop proper. We all was down the, the party pitch, and it, it was so fucking cold. And a lot of Padgett went back, but I'd got this cigar. I think it's an Oliver, from from uh, Dad, and lit it while I was down there. God, it was nice. And as usual, they'd got they were doing karaoke. Randy and Tom were doing it. And sat next to Brummy and Brummy singing away, sat next to us. Fuck me, what a voice Brummy's got. He sounds like a mix between Noddy Aldra Slade, Kelly Jones of Stereophonics and Brian Johnson of A C he D C's got that proper gravelly voice. Such a good voice. Anyway, Lindsay was gone about going up to sing karaoke. And she said, Come on, Rich, you gotta sing. I said, fuck off, I don't do karaoke, you have got a voice like Bastard Broken Glass, and she said, no, no, I'm going up to sing, I said, tell you what, brummy has got an awesome voice, if Brummy comes up to sing, I'll come up to sing, so the three of us go up to sing, I ended up there for about two and a half fucking hours singing, uh, Lindsay shot off, went back to camp, I think, but me and Brummy stayed up there, and the funniest moment up there was, we're singing away, I mean, I've... Pinch Randy's sunglasses while I'm singing. I looked a right twat. Uh, there will be a photo of me on stage singing, looking like a moron. The funniest moment with me, Tom, what were we singing? It might have been Hotel California. Brummy, Randy, and myself are singing. Brummy's to me right, Randy's far right, and all of a sudden, Brummy stops singing and slaps his hand over his mouth while instrumentals are on. I said, Brummy what's happened, why you stopped singing, what's wrong, and he said, I've lost my teeth, I said, what do you mean you've lost your teeth, he said I was singing and my dentures flew out my mouth and I can't find them, (laughs) oh I couldn't believe what I was hearing, so Randy gets off stage, They'd flown out of Brummy's mouth, cleared the stage, and I think they'd landed in the grass. (laughs) He said, I knew I should have put fucking adhesive on and broken me off, so I just slapped him in. But Saturday night was, it was spectacular. We had the the, the traditional Liberty steak. I mean, you can't moan at this. This great big steak. I asked for it medium, and in fair, it was probably just gone blue, but it was really, really tasty. Uh, This huge steak, massive pile of American beans, and a bread roll for eight quid. I I will, I bust my heart, say I will break my back every year to get down to Liberty. A, going on the Thursday, if they're flying, you get to see the coolest jets. We get to go different places to eat. It's always a really relaxed, chilled out, fun shoot. You get the party and these big steaks on the Saturday nights. And I stop at Mackeys for breakfast on my way back on Monday. You know, so I will I will bust my hump to get to Liberty every year. But this is the value it offers. Camping is five pounds per person. Whether you're there I mean Brummy and Sarah got there on the Wednesday in their caravan. They, they, they did it post They were in a really nice caravan. So they had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Cost them £5 a head for camping. That's for the entire time. Not per day. For the entire time. So, cost of actual liberty itself. Thursday to Monday camping for me. Steak on the Sunday night. On the Saturday night and two days of shooting cost me £28. That is the most insanely good value. And yes, the camping facilities are basic. you got a wooden toilet and a tap. All you need. When I used to take the big inflatable tent down with me, the, the joy of that is it's about 6 foot 6 high. So I will strip off in it and have a proper grolly wash in my quick up tent that I take and I did miss the big tent being able to stand up and have a wash you having to sit down to get dressed you know I baby wipes to have a wash every morning. I I missed the big tent but fuck me twenty eight quid for Thursday to Monday camping, two days shooting and a huge stake as well. It's insanely good value for money and it is such good fun. Sunday, I traditionally shoot better on the Sunday than I do on the Saturday. And I was on course, I was really shooting better. And then they'd got a 3D Dragon out. Shot it on the Saturday. I can't remember whether I 20 or 24 did it on the Saturday. I think no, I 20'd on the Saturday. I was just right, about 5 mil right of the 24 on the Sunday. I'd, I was just feeling even more relaxed than I was on the sat down weren't worrying about scores, drew up on it, I was holding so steady on the centre of the 24, I'd got me, I got knew my distance was bob on, let go, and um, it's such a crisp, clean release, and the follow-through was perfect, but we heard this crack, and I can't see my arrow, thinking, fuck, and Mark said, You're in the ground in front of it, Rich. I'd hit a piece of bamboo, a stick of bamboo, gone straight through the stick of bamboo, split it open, but it had forced my arrow down. The line was perfect. And I'm thinking, that was the first time I thought about scores. I'd say to Mark, How am I doing? just to see how I was doing again Saturday at various points. He said, Yep, you're well up on yesterday, Rich. I think I was a whole target in front. And this got in my head. So that got me thinking about scores. I'm thinking, fuck, doing so well today. I hadn't had a single 16. And that was only about four or five targets from the end. I hadn't had a single 16. I was doing so well. 20 and 24, everything. I was up on my spot count. And I was so confident that was going to be another twenty-four. Course, everything felt perfect. The shot broke. It was honestly one of my one of the cleanest breaks of the entire weekend. And then he broke the bamboo. Takes my second shot. Dead center twenty-four. Did everything the same. I mean, I knew the bamboo wasn't an issue then. The bamboo was gone. Uh, Oh, God, that, and it got in my head and Rob and Paula were on the target ahead of us and Paula is such a confidence booster. She builds people up so much and as, as we got to the target, they were just leaving. She looked at me and said, did I see you just take a second arrow? I said, yeah she said you looking for a fucking slap or what why didn't you 24 it and i told her what it happened and said oh god oh. and just laughed i had to laugh but for the next few targets up to the end it was in my head and when we'd finished mark said to me rich i've been watching you shoot all weekend he said today you're a lot better As in not getting in my own head. He said, but since you hit that bamboo, you have been inside your head on every shot. I finished higher. Was it 7.44, 7.48? I finished on something like that. I finished higher than I did on the Saturday anyway, but I should have been at least 10 points higher. ...the very last target on the Saturday for us... ...it's a double-sided target... ...one side the 3D is a scorpion... ...the other side is... a ...a scarab beetle or stag beetle... ...scarab beetle I think... ...I shot last... ...and the 24 on that's tiny... ...it's a tiny 24, a small 20... ...I hit a 20 on it because... ...again I was in my own head... ...there was a bunch of arrows... I think two were in the 24, almost filling the 24. One was just below in the 20. I'm holding on the 24, thinking, don't worry about it, another arrow, just shoot it. And at the last minute, thinking about the bamboo, I dropped my arm and shot into the bottom of the 20. I should have been a good 14 points up on where I finished, which I'd, I'd have been more than happy with. And Mark said after, because Mark. Mark's taught rifle shooting and archery Archery coaching. He said, and he kept saying to me, after the bamboo, he said, Rich, stop fucking worrying about it. It's done. There's nothing you can do about it. Carry it. Just concentrate now on shooting like you have been the rest of the day. And when we'd finished, he said, Rich, you wouldn't let it get out of your head, would you? I said, no. I kept thinking about that bamboo and the fucking points. And that was the first time I worried about fucking points. Like I say on the Sunday, I'd I'd been interested just see if I it felt like I was shooting better than Saturday. And Mark said, Yeah, you're well up on Saturday score. And I was that just relaxed me even more and gave me more confidence. And then that one incident got so far inside my head. And like I said, he said afterwards, he said, Rich, it got into your head, didn't it? And it did. It really got inside my head. He said, You gotta stop that shit. Once that arrow's gone, that target was done. There was nothing you could do about it. He said, and the other couple of 20s you shot after, they should have been 24s. If you hadn't been in your own head the way you've been shooting today, you'd have 24 them. He said, your distance judging was Bob on. It was you inside your own head. He said, and I'm watching you shoot. I could see you doing it. So, Mark, I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, really appreciate... Oh, God, that's. Let's go back to the start. Uh, did I mention he'd put a peep ring, printed a peep on? I did, didn't I? Yeah, I think I can put that one side and get back to where we were. How's that for going backwards and forwards then? Yeah, so as I mean, Paget did so well at Liberty this year. Came in, went back down for the presentation on the Sunday nights. And Paget absolutely nailed it We did so many medals I mean uh, Johnny Bucket The man, the myth, the legend The one, the only Johnny Bucket When they were calling out Gents Longbow scores They called him out for bronze medal He'd got about five steps forward And they said, no, no, sorry, we got that wrong And you think, oh shit, don't I look a twat now And he said, I thought, oh fuck, this is embarrassing Called out sec, third place, second th- place, and John, he glanced at his scorecard after and thought he got 790. And then they call him out for first place on 970. And John's, no, 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 I got 790, I got 790. And Dad said, John, no, you didn't, you twat. You glanced at it, you got 970, mate, here's a photo. <laughs> and John one gold gents longbow uh Harry Harry from Paget 14 years old I've gotta say this this kid must have balls the size of coconuts I haven't you know what I'm actually going to I I'm gonna open up the scores I don't think there was a were there any competitors in boys longbow I can't remember hang on I'm just going to have a quick look somewhere I have saved a photo sorry I'm waffling just as a time filling just as a time filler while I do this no I haven't got a photo of them all I can't remember if there was anybody shooting in boys longbow I don't think there was So Harry at 14 years old Decides He's not going to shoot boys longboats If he'd been the only one He'd have taken gold And he said he didn't want to do that He wanted He says the best way for him to Improve his shooting And Harry's a hell of a shooter anyway You know for a 14 year old kid That hadn't been shooting that long He wanted to really up his game He decided to shoot Men's longbow So that means At 14 he's shooting Exactly the same pegs As The men he's shooting from the red pegs And like I say They were shot out at 50 and 60 yards Harry Mad mad respect to you young man That was a massive decision And he only I think he was only about 200 points behind first place Harry shot like an absolute Demon yeah, you know, it's his first time ever shooting at those distances. So mad respect to you, Harry. You are going to improve so fast. You are going to be such an amazing longbow archer. Look out for that name in the future, guys. Harry Hawkins. He is, he is going to do really, really well and making big steps like that. To be shooting against the adult men, shooting from the red peg, not shooting the, the youth pegs. Back and shooting the red pegs on those long old shots—that big, big respect. So we got John, one gent, longbow. Uh, Jane Marston—I was shooting with Jane. There was myself, Mark B. Sharon decided not to shoot. Uh, her fibromyalgia was playing up, and she wasn't in a good place to shoot. And big shout out to. Liberty. When Sharon mentioned after she she hadn't shot, cause of a fibrobialgia, they refunded her money for shoot, the shoot money. Absolutely incredible. Uh, so I was shooting with Mark B. Uh, and Ed and Jane Marston. Jane really wasn't happy with her shooting. She was shooting really. It took her a few arrows to get into it each day, but when she came on pipe, she was shooting like a demon. She took golden lady's bear bow. Uh, Chad Chad took gold In Gents Trad bow hunter And because there were A a group behind us And there was a bit of a delay Around the herd shot Talking to him on the Sunday I said how are you doing He said not as good as yesterday He said Leah's on fire Leah is wife He said I've got to do so much She's outscoring me today And Leah Took Ladies TBH gold Massive Massive Congratulations to them both. Uh, Lisa, Lisa, where did Lisa get in crossbow? I can't remember if Lisa won crossbow, ladies' crossbow. I know she podiumed uh, Lindsay, bronze in ladies' compound unlimited. I came to men's compound unlimited, and from what I heard of the second day scores, I, I reckoned I'd come in fifth or sixth, which. In the company we were shooting, you know, you got Carl Bowles there, Tony Hunt, Lee Gardecki, uh, Ian Cope, in you know all really really good shots. Tony was one of the still, is one of the guys I hold as an absolute deity when it comes to distance judging. You know, Tony Tony Hunt's incredible at distance judging. Uh, so I'm, I I I thought it was going to come up. Uh, it's either copio Carl Gold, Copio Carl Silver, and either Leo Tony Hunt bronze. Well they sh- they called out my name for bronze and I nearly fucking shat myself. I know I'd been I think Andy Williams outscored me what was it? I can't remember, two or six points on the Sunday, and he had a bad day on the Saturday, though. He was trying to get his bow tuned, As actually, as, as he shot, he's got the new PSE dominated duo. Who came up with that name, dominated duo? I'm sorry, it sounds like a pair of Vegas fucking hookers. Got to be one of the worst names ever. You know, out to Vegas, let's hire the dominated duo for fucking whips and chains. But he really pulled it back together on the Sunday, and he did. And I think he shot a 7.50. I know Kopey shot 7.58 both days. Can't remember what Carl shot. Uh, Kopey would have beaten Carl. But watch a the turkey shot. The turkey shot. Yes, I've got a turkey facing away from you. And the 24 on the rear view is right in the middle of the jotter. I mean, what better way to spend a Saturday and Sunday than hammering your shaft fletched deep in the, up the jotter of a plump-breasted bird. But he hit he hit a branch and it deflected him into the 20, so Carl took him by four points, otherwise they'd have been on a tie for spots. Uh, yeah, so I think I had a much better first day. Like I say, if that that... 10 points that I lost on the dragon hitting the bamboo. See, it's still in my head. i would have actually managed to beat Andy on day two as well, but Andy's shot really well. And there was nobody more surprised than me. And a couple of weeks before Liberty, they'd posted a photo on, their, on the Liberty Archers Facebook page saying, the medals are here, come and try and win one. And I thought, they look so cool. They'd got their the club sticker on in a nice aquamarine with the eagle's head and the arrow on it, and I thought, I'm never gonna get one of them. And fuck me, I did. It was just, yeah, everything came together. And distance judging again, second guess myself, and it 20s 20, not 24s. So I had a bad judge on the velociraptor, and it's a 16 on the Saturday. And the only thing that cost me points on the Sunday again was that. Fucking piece of bamboo in front of the dragon. But it was the most amazing weekend away, despite the weather. Trying to put a damper on things on the Friday. I know i had said I wasn't going to cook in the evenings. I was just going to say, fuck it, have a wild weekend and eat out every night. So Thursday was fish and chips. Friday was a half moon in Brandon. Saturday was the steaks. A fair few of Padgett left on the Sunday night. Of course, I'd said the weather forecast. It was for rain on Monday morning, starting fairly early. As it was, Monday was the most glorious morning. Left slightly later than we intended. Of course, they were flying again and wanted to see the planes coming again. So, Sunday night, we decided we'd go down into Brandon and try the Brandon Tandoori again. First rate service, really good, really good value on the food. The drinks prices were fucking extortionate. Four pound odd for a can of Carlsberg. I'm thinking they're paying like you can go into the shop over the road from us, and it's three pound fifty for a four pack. So that's seventy five pence for a can. You know, tell of a markup. But the food was really, really good. The food prices were very, very reasonable, and the service was spot on. Like I say, Monday, really nice drive back. Uh unfortunately Mark and Sharon left after us and they caught there'd been an accident on the M six. We we came through, Ollie and myself came through before it happened, but a low loader with a digger on had hit one of the bridges between between I think it was junctions two and three northbound the digger on the back of the wagon had hit the bridge and tipped it off onto the fucking motorway. So you got a great big excavator lying sideways across the fucking motorway. So it took Mark for forever to come back because as they got to the top of the A fourteen, I think they went M one and A thirty eight to get back. But like I say, it was the most phenomenal weekend. We will be down there in November. Uh, barring any major disasters, we will be back down there for the Turkey shoot. I know it's a long way to go for a one-day shoot, and it's in November, so it can be cold and wet, but they tend to get the shoot moving quick, and generally everybody's finished shooting by half one, half two, and we stop at uh, a place on the way back, at Junction 1 of the M6 for food on the way back. So... It's not been bad. I've I've had real fun archery wise. Like I say, the new fibre optics from the Bosefinger scope are here now. They turned up yesterday while I was down at Paget. And I've got to say a like I say I've I'm gonna keep saying it. Huge thank you to everybody that laid the Paget Club course, Club Champs course, the Lawton Field Bowman Open Shoot course and to everybody involved in liberty all the crew at liberty you know everybody that laid the course that ran the admin thank you to Brummy for giving me such a huge laugh when your teeth flew out thank you to jake and kaz and everybody involved in all those shoots this is what archery should be really good fun enjoyable you look forward to getting there and it's you feel so anticlimactic when you come back from Liberty. I mean, I've only of course I'd book Monday off at well as well. I've only worked a four day week, but the week at work feels as though it's lasted about three weeks. Uh I don't know what's coming up in the next podcast. I I really I mean this one's been a right mishmash, hasn't it? Again, no notes, just free balling from all the shite whizzing round in my brain. Uh, I'm. I think I. I'm, I need to start posting more regularly. I know that. Uh, and if you've got any thoughts, suggestions, any comments, even if it's to shove me head up my ass, you know how to get hold of me. Archerygeekoutdoors at gmail dot com. You can grab me on Twitter at a underscore g underscore outdoors, or you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook and YouTube. Archery Geek Outdoors, give it a like, give it a share, interact. It's always nice when people message and you can start a conversation. So, folks, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Uh, I will try and get some kind of schedule going. I've got to get a schedule going to be more consistent with the posting but it's it's coming up with good listenable content i mean listen to me i've I've just chatted absolute bollocks apparently some people like listening to bollocks more power to you if you do click on it you know like it follow you know where the socials are get on them folks thank you so much for listening stay safe shoot straight and oh shit! You know what I got to do now, don't you? Ah fuck! I've got to go back onto bank two. There we go. I'm back onto bank two for the outro music. Fucking hell! That was nearly a disaster. Nearly as disastrous as the opening wasn't as disastrous as the opening, wasn't it? Remember, stay safe. Shoot. St- oh shit! I just hit the record button, stopped and started the recording. Oops, that was me It's because the red pad for the outro music Is the same as the red pad for the record music Stay safe Shoot straight Take care folks, bye bye